Reading from Luke 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place since while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. <clears throat> he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there were no guest rooms available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So no matter how irreligious you are or how poorly you practice your religion, no doubt you know the details of the story. In fact, we know this story so well that it's like one of those stories that we tend to overlook. We miss, we lose it in sentimentality, I guess. We miss the real power of it. So tonight I want to offer just five meditative thoughts, five things for us to contemplate that roll out of the, the Christmas story for us. And the first thing is that you and I are extraordinarily significant. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Caesar Augustus issued a decree. Coincidentally, he said, using air quotes ineffectively, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. I don't know about you, but I tend to vacillate somewhere between uh, thinking that I'm the center of the universe and thinking that I'm completely insignificant. And we just went through an election season, a rather crazy election season here in the United States, and if nothing else, it highlights for all of us maybe how little influence we actually have, how insignificant we are. We're certainly, most of us, we are not part of the movers and shakers. In fact, you can begin to feel at a certain point as if just your individual vote doesn't even matter in an event like that. And yet from this story, 
what we see is that God moved the hand and the heart and the mind of the most powerful man in the world to arrange a census in part so that Mary and Joseph would end up in Bethlehem because hundreds of years earlier, on more than one occasion, God, through his prophet, had promised that a savior, a hero, would come and he would be born in Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth. Jesus would not have been born in Bethlehem had it not been for the census, which was coincidentally arranged The first census that was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria arranged so that Jesus, our Savior and our hero, would be born in Bethlehem for us. The first thing we learn from this story is that you and I are incredibly significant. The second thing we learn is that the spiritual life comes with a cost. All good things in life do. The spiritual life comes with a cost. Verses 6 and 7, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now, I read this the other day. You need to hear this. When the rich and famous give birth, their hospital stay can easily be compared to a pampering spa getaway. Maybe it was like this for some of you mothers. For example, Jay-Z and Beyonce chose Lenox Hill Hospital in Manhattan for the birth of Blue Ivy, their little bundle of joy, at $2,500 a day, not counting any of the doctor or other hospital expenses. Lenox Hill Hospital offers luxurious suites with mahogany walls, hardwood floors, luxurious linen, its own kitchenette, and even a concierge service that can arrange anything from a stylish hairdo to manicure, pedicure, and massage, you want to look your best, after all, when you're delivering your precious little baby. The luxury suites of Mount Sinai Hospital at $4,000 a day offer a stunning view of Central Park and Manhattan. However, that's not the only reason that Gwyneth Paltrow and, and P. Diddy chose Mount Sinai for the birth of their children. Their blankets made from muslin cotton and massage therapy to relieve the pain and stress add bathrooms with Italian glass tiles and tea and cookies served in the afternoon. (laughs) Okay, but that's not all. At the top of the hospital birthing experience list is the Matilda Hospital in Hong Kong. In case any of you are interested, it's the ultimate in pampering. It offers rooms with balconies overlooking the ocean, refrigerators filled with juices and bottled water, cable TV and Wi-Fi. Your personal OBGYN will be the one booking your stay and making all the necessary arrangements. And it's advisable to ask your doctor to make reservations as early as possible, as most rooms are fully booked seven months in advance. I don't even know how that works. At the Matilda Hospital, you need to deposit 20000 down as a down payment to keep the room. This was not Mary's experience. (laughs) Now look, God could have arranged an empty room in the Bethlehem Ritz-Carlton if he wanted to. It was within God's power, but it was not God's will. And the path, the, the spiritual path that for Jesus ended at the cross of Calvary, it began with no rooms available in an empty stall in a manger that smelled of animal dung. And throughout his ministry, Jesus reminded us that often as it goes for me, it will go for you as well. 
In fact, he told us repeatedly during his teaching ministry that in order to really have life, real life, we had to give up our so-called lives. I've said a number of times here at Gateway, you know, uh, the American suburbs, what we really want is we want our lives only better. But that's not a deal that God is willing to make with us. The spiritual life comes at a cost. The third thing that we learn from, as we meditate on this story is that God is awe-inspiring. God is awe-inspiring. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. It's amazing how often in the Bible when God shows up, the glory of God and God's actual presence, our response is terror we think we want God to show up until he actually does, and then we are undone because God is awe-inspiring. I'm reminded of the children's book, The Pirate Who Tried to Capture the Moon. The Pirate Who Tried to Capture the Moon is about, and I'll read the first page. There once was a fierce pirate who loved nothing at all. He lived alone on an island where he strode about in armor, waving a broad sword, surrounded by sea. He watched for ships that he could capture. And so the story goes on with the pirate capturing. He sees a ship full of flowers, and he captures it, and he chains it on his island. And then he sees a a ship full of horses pass by, and he goes out, and he captures it, and he chains it on his island. And then the pirate decides that he wants to capture the moon. Well, he can't figure out how to capture the moon, so he finds a book that talks about all the things that the moon loves. And then he goes throughout the world and he captures all the things that the moon loves. So the the moon loves uh, linen curtains blowing in the wind. So he goes and captures linen curtains and he brings them to his island. And And the moon loves reflecting pools. So he goes and captures reflecting pools and he brings them to his island. And, and the moon loves poets. So the, the pirate goes out and he captures poets and he brings them to his island. And then little by little, as he captures more and more things that the moon loves, the moon begins to lower himself. And then the pirate will go find something else that the moon loves and bring it to his island. And the moon gets lower and lower and lower. The entire book The pictures in the book are in black and white until you get to this. The moon comes low. And when the moon comes very, very near, the entire page is yellow. (laughs) And the pirate lifted his trembling sword as the whole sky became the moon. And then the moon stopped and waited. The pirate stared into its light, and a wild shiver ran through him like a wave. He forgot about being fierce. He lowered his sword. He dropped his armor, and he whispered, Moon, wonderful moon, it is you who have captured me. God is awe-inspiring. And I want, my testimony tonight is that it's Jesus who has captured me. My heart is his because I've stood in wonder at his presence.
A fourth meditation for you and I. Luke 2, 13 through 15, connecting with God requires action. Connecting with God requires action. Listen to this. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared and the angels praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to men on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, shoot, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Because connecting to God always requires stepping in. It always requires going and seeing. It always requires investing. I want you to know that I know Ted Sangaris. Ted Sangaris was college sweet mate of mine. I can't remember what Ted's major was, but he was a good guy. We actually hung out some. I had the great misfortune of occasionally seeing Ted in the shower. And the only thing I remember about Ted really is that he was, I think he was from Connecticut, from somewhere in New England. Over the course of our college years, Ted and I didn't live together after my freshman year in college, and we kind of lost touch with one another. This was before the days of Facebook. And I have no idea where Ted is today. Ted and I are not friends. I know Ted Sangiris, but Ted and I are not friends. Ted and I don't have a connection. Connecting with God requires investing. If you're tonight, if you're standing on the sidelines, believing in God, oh, sure. You know, I remember my parents talking. I remember Christmas, yeah, Another story. Yeah, I believe in God, check. That's not a connection with God. Connecting with God always, always requires, let's go see, let's go go check it out. It requires stepping in and investing. And finally, this story reminds us, and if you miss everything else, don't miss this. This story reminds us that this changes everything. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. This week I googled, changes everything. And if you do so, I imagine that you're going to get something like what I got. I got an advertisement, about, well, a couple of sites about a novella that was evidently a, written in a series of small novels about a young woman who's falling in love and it's angst-ridden. I also found a poem entitled, This Changes Everything. I was going to read it to you tonight, but... I decided I wouldn't bother. It's just two stanzas. And it's basically about a hiker who's walking along a path and he sees a stick and he moves it from one side of the path to the other. This changes everything. You'll also find a fairly newly released book called This Changes Everything and I think a documentary that's coming out that's about climate change. You know what changes everything? Jesus. This changes everything. If what we believe is true, everything is different.
I read this week a summary of, I don't know, the meaning of Christmas, I guess. What this night means for us. It's a great description. It was written about a plastic surgeon named Richard Selzer. Article said this, in spite of his best efforts, surgeon Richard Selzer had to cut a nerve in the young woman's cheek in order to get at the tumor. The result was that her mouth was permanently misshapen. Dr. Selzer was uncertain as to how her husband would respond to the change, and he was very worried. Typically, these interviews did not go well. Therefore, he was encouraged when the young man came in and was warm and caring to his wife, even joking about her cute new look. But when he saw what happened next, Dr. Seltzer's encouragement turned to awe. The young husband bent down toward his wife, twisted his lips to fit her crooked mouth, and gently kissed her. The article says, that's what Christmas is. Christmas is all about the divine word making himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made like a human likeness. And in doing so, God bent down, twisted his lips, and kissed the crooked lips of a world misshapen by sin and despair with his love and grace. Let's pray. So Lord, tonight we want to remember to receive your kiss. Tonight we say yes. We welcome you. Uh, for some of us, Lord, we've been like AJ. We've been busy and enjoying all the accoutrements of the Christmas season. But tonight, we want to welcome you. We want to take a minute and welcome you. And for others of us, God, we have been neglectful of real connection with you for a long time. And tonight, we want to receive your kiss. Our mouth has gotten crooked indeed. But we welcome the mouth of our hero, shaped exactly like ours. Lovingly and graciously and passionately kissing us. We thank you.
with God and the word was God he was God in the beginning through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made in him was life and the life was the light of all mankind the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it he was in the world and through the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own received him not. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Even born not of natural descent, nor of human dissension or a husband's will, but a born of God.
Verse 3, last verse, as we gaze. As we gaze on your kingly brightness, though our faces display your likeness, ever changing from glory to glory. Here, here, may our lives tell your story. Sing it out. Shine, Jesus, shine. Fill this land here. The Father's glory place. Spirit place. Set our, set our hearts on fire. Flow, river, flow. Flood the nations with grace and mercy. Send forth your word. wish you guys have a merry, merry Christmas. Enjoy time with friends, family, and remember why we celebrate. You guys may go in peace. Merry Christmas and go home. You can leave Christmas presents for me out in the lobby. That'll be fine. Go in peace.